welcome to another episode of the History Connection Podcast's Unsung Heroes section. I am Michael Musangu, a student at the University of Portland studying biology and minoring in history. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the most interesting American heroes that I've ever studied about. In fact, when I was learning about him, I was astounded because I've always heard that he had such a powerful story, but... I've never been able to delve into it in detail, and that is what we're going to do today in the 20 minutes that we have. Today, I'm going to start off with a little quote by this man, and his name is Geronimo. And I quote, I should have never surrendered. I should never have surrendered, rather. I should have fought until I was the last man alive. This was a quote from Geronimo's autobiography as penned down by a scribe. I find this quote interesting because I think it gives you a little gist or a little insight into the person Geronimo was fighting for the liberties and the ideals of the Apache nation that he that he lived in when he was living in southern Arizona and in, 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 in the portions of Mexico at the time. Geronimo himself was an Apache man. Um, he was born in Mexico in, a, in about June 1829. Um, the date is kind of conflicting here, but he was born in uh, uh, the month of June of 1829. And in fact, the origins of his name is actually quite disputed, as most probably may not know, or if you do know, that's awesome. But I didn't know this. Geronimo was not born with the name Geronimo. In fact, his birth name was Goyacla. Forgive me if I pronounce that wrong, but uh, I do not speak, (laughs) you know, the Apache language. But his name was Goyakla. As a young man, he earned the name Geronimo, actually. And and the way he did this was in distinguishing himself in raids against the Mexicans. Um, In fact, some people believe that he actually got this name from frightening Mexican soldiers. And they were invoking the name of St. Jerome. And... St. Jerome being a Catholic saint, and, and, and this actually led to the name of Geronimo being used against him, or, or being used for him as a name, and he, that nickname just stuck with him. Others argue that it was just a Mexican nickname, or even the mispronunciation of his actual name, Goyajla. He was, in, in fact, that's how his name was really said, or rather, the nickname was really founded upon. Now, in fact, he was an actual prominent Apache medicine man. He actually was not a, he actually was not, how do I say, a, a chief. He was very, he was a prominent medicine man. Um, and as we'll see later, he had a very interesting lifestyle in that sense. But he was part of the Bendankohe subsection of the Chiricahua tribe of the Apaches. They were numbering about 8,000 people at the time. And... Really what led to the story that we all know of Geronimo and who he was, was that personal tragedy actually shaped his dislike for the people who tried to subjugate him. In fact, in 1851, while he was on a way, while he was away on a hunting trip, I believe, or a, a trading trip rather, he, his family was actually killed by Mexican soldiers. I be, it was Colonel Jose Maria Corrasco. Who attacked his family's camp and his wife Alone along with his children and his mother were all killed and when he came back he was devastated and in fact 
um, in burying his family according to Apache customs, he then, this is where his, where I believe his like spirituality sense came into him because he was a medicine man, very regarded as one of, you know, regarded medicine man or, or spiritual individual of the tribe, very prominent spiritual individual. And he, when he was, and when he finished burying his wife and his mother and children, he was um, there and he heard a voice speak to him. And that voice said, no gun will ever kill you. I will take the bullets from the guns and I will guide your arrows. And Geronimo took this as a sign for himself that in seeking vengeance or revenge for what happened to his family, that everything would be okay. Sure enough, he then started to rise to prominence because he took this um, commission from the greater spirits, you know, that he believed in in his culture. And he led successful raids against Mexicans in vengeance. And in fact, what was interesting is that, uh, let me give you some context around what um, what was going on in the time between Arizona, Mexico, and, and the Apache tribes and all the Native Americans really living in this area because you will understand a lot of the sentiment regarding why the Native Americans were doing what they were doing. So, in fact, in 1848, with the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, the Mexican-American War came to an end. And with this, Mexico ceded most of what is the American Southwest to the U.S. Um, I mean, we're talking about Arizona. Um, Arizona, Mexico, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah... Uh, these states, etc. Now, what is amazing here is that all, these are also lands that Apaches have held for centuries. And in fact, with that, the Gadsden Purchase gave the U.S. even more land in today's Arizona and southwestern New Mexico than really any other time in history. These uh, territories that were eventually ceded in the Mexican-American War eventually became territories. And they eventually became states in later time. Colorado in 1876, Arizona in 1912, and New Mexico in 1914. But Geronimo really came to prominence because he was leading vengeance raids because of that voice that spoke to him. And he actually believed it was a commission that was telling him, hey, I will protect you, but go do what you have to do to defend our nation. And that was his true belief in that. But his story really... He, now, Geronimo, Geronimo's story was really what led him to his activism in this case in defending the Apaches. But his story that led him to prominence in the American eyes or in the American public actually started happening in the 1870s and 80s. The U.S. government in 1872 created a reservation for the Chiricahua Apaches and it included a portion of their homeland actually. But unfortunately, even though it included a portion of their homeland, they were soon evicted and they were forced to join other Apache groups that were in the San Carlos Indian Reservation in Arizona. And what do we know? I mean, you know, putting a bunch of uh, Apache groups that really uh, have different cultures, they may be all Apache, but that doesn't mean they're all the same culture, same people. Uh, in that sense, they may share similar language, etc. But just because they are the same 
quote group of people doesn't mean they're the same, you know, in culture and customs, etc. And you just put them together on one land. I mean, you have no idea if it's a warring tribe or not. But because of these lines that the U.S. government drew in 1872, they put them on the San Carlos Reservation after they eventually, um, a lot after they were supposedly allowed to have their homeland, but really they were eventually just herded onto the San Carlos Reservation. When this happened, a defiant Geronimo broke out of the reservation with his fellow Apaches. In fact, he broke out with them three separate times. And the knowledge of the hill and the knowledge that he had of, you know, the hills and the surrounding terrain of the land that he lived in actually helped him to evade his pursuers. In fact, he had multiple escapes. And with these multiple escapes, he actually became an instant hero or a newspaper sensation of the time. Why would that be? Because imagine you are living in, you know, 1870s America and the U.S. government, the military, are trying to, like, wrap up the effects of what is going on in the Mexican-American War. They're trying to put all these Native Americans under the sentiment of the time onto reservations. And you have this one defiant man who really, no one knows where he's, no one knows his backstory, but he keeps evading hundreds and hundreds of soldiers by leaving the plantation and it's making the military look ridiculous because it didn't happen once it happened multiple times and most people are like huh that is interesting but because of this because of the amount of escapes and he escaped for long periods of time too and because of that he actually started to go back and what he would do is that he would go back and start to take people with him and like try and like break them out of the reservations and because of that and he couldn't get caught that's the funny part. He wasn't really getting caught, etc. And that's what made him an instant sensation. In 1885, Geronimo led 135 Apache followers away from the reservation to, to avoid capture by American cavalry and Apache scouts. He actually pushed the men and women. It was, um, it was recorded that he pushed the men, women, and children that were in his group to travel as far as 70 miles per day. Just think about that. I mean, he was so driven to make to make restitutions or to seek vengeance for what the Mexicans did to him. But it became more than just a fight against the Mexican. It became the Mexicans, I should say. It became a fight against the people who were trying to infringe on the land that they had. And he literally pushed them so hard because he didn't want to get caught. He wanted to get them to a place where they could be free on the land that they've lived on for centuries and that's all he wanted and while he was on the loose in fact geronimo and his band raided both american and mexican settlements and civilians were killed in the process and of course again there are drawbacks you know to trying to achieve your goals i mean I mean, if you if you visualize the fact that you may need to, you know, there will be casualties in the process, that may be something that happens just in the pursuit of your goals. And unfortunately, there were civilians killed in the process. But ultimately, it was making the American military look like an embarrassment because it's like, hold on, this man just broke out 135 people, 
we cannot find him because this man knows the terrain better than we do. But the internet, or I shouldn't say the internet, it was the newspapers of the time that were really broadcasting the story and everyone enjoyed it. Everyone's like, wow, this man must be awesome. And he became an icon, in fact. But eventually, in March of 1886, General George Crook forced Geronimo to surrender. But at the last minute, Geronimo and his 40 followers escaped once more under the cover of darkness. I mean, that's what makes this whole story exciting. Because it's like, oh, okay, I caught you. I'm going to surrender. All right. He's coming in. Everyone thinks, you know, he's going to surrender. That's it for Geronimo. But one more time, he escapes again. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> you know? And it's, again, making the American military look foolish. Because, you know, they're trying to subjugate all these Native Americans. And they're like, what is this? You know? How how is this possible? And it's 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 kind of funny, in fact. I mean... That's what makes this whole story quite fascinating. It's, it's kind of funny that he was able to dupe them multiple times. In fact, at one point, when he was at the height of his like escapes and all these um, evasions that he was trying to do, he had 5,000 soldiers, American soldiers, and 3,000 Mexican soldiers pursuing the escapees. Geronimo and the 40 followers that he escaped with. And what was funny about this this statistic of 5,000 U.S. soldiers, that was literally a quarter of the U.S. standing military at the time. Just think of how crazy that idea is. One man, 40 followers, and you need 5,000 people to, ca- to capture him. That makes you realize how much of a detriment or... Or rather, a threat he was to the U.S. government or military or whatever you want to say for the people who were trying to subjugate him. Because they realized if he could get all of them to start revolting. They realized if they if Geronimo himself could get all of them to start revolting, you know. Hey, maybe they'll all run away. He's a dangerous man. We've got to stop him from running away. Or else everyone else will get inspired and start running away. And, in fact... They ran away and held out for five months. I mean, this could have been really interesting. I mean, he literally was just fighting for his ideal of literally just give me the land that I lived on. Let me stay and live peaceably. Leave me alone. That's all I ask. That's all he wanted. Let me live on the land that I was born on. But he didn't even get that luxury. He held out for five months after being on the run from the 8,000 Mexican and American soldiers chasing him. But they eventually turned themselves in to General Nelson Miles at Skeleton Canyon on September 4th of 1886. And this was the last time the, that Geronimo formally surrendered to the U.S. military. All the other times he formally surrendered, he actually escaped. And... And this time, this was the time where he's like, look, if I even try something, I'm going to get killed. I mean, I mean, 8,000 chasing me, I guess 41. Uh, it's just not realistic. But he finally surrendered and he actually spent 22 years. He was actually transferred to Fort Sill in Oklahoma 
and he was put on display at the world's fairs, like the world fairs that were going on the, going on at the time, and the Wild West shows. In fact, he actually was a performer in Theodore Roosevelt's inauguration. And what's sad is like, I mean, that's what, you know, that this was a time period in American history where, you know, there was this narrative of racism going on. And it was a tough thing to deal with and to reconcile with. But this narrative that was going on led to him being paraded as a less than a human being or an animal, being nothing more than just a performer. And he went through Wild West shows and all these types of things to be shown off as some specimen, unfortunately, at the time. He participated in Theodore Roosevelt's inauguration. But what was amazing about this is that he actually begged Roosevelt to let him go back to his homeland. That was all he wanted. Let me go back to my homeland. The reason I keep running, the reason I keep evading from the San Carlos Reservation is because I wasn't born here. This is not where I live. I want to go back to where I live, to where I was born, to where I want to live. Don't take me off. I want to live where I was born and live the customs in my life that I, I choose to live. But he didn't get that chance. He didn't get that opportunity. Roosevelt didn't allow him to. And because this was because Roosevelt believed that if they were allowed to go back, actually war would happen. That's the actual fear of him being able to go back that the Apaches would revolt and cause a war, which sounds pretty ludicrous because, I mean, the, Apache, the Apaches in this time, they really didn't have the numbers to go against, you know, Americans in the war. I mean, sure, they could band up with other Native Americans, but with the amount that were subjugated onto reservations, the chances of them trying to wage an all-out war against America is just insane. But I'm sure there were more diplomatic reasons and, you know, that type of talk going on, which is why it didn't happen. But eventually, the federal government actually let the Chicahuas go back to their native homeland in the southwestern Arizona, Mexico region in 1913. But unfortunately, that dream was not lived out for Geronimo. He died of pneumonia at Fort Sill in Oklahoma on the 17th of February, 1909. And that really is the life of Geronimo in a nutshell. I mean, it's powerful because he fought so hard to just live out the ideals that were really promised under the American Constitution. He literally had these ideals, these goals, and black America fought for them, and they got rid of slavery, they were allowed rights as citizens, sure, Jim Crow was going on, but and they weren't fully liberated until 1964, but he was fighting for these same ideals, just let me go and live on the land I want to be, I'm a citizen, I live here too, let me just do what I want to do, and live on my homeland, Y'all can go literally go pick another spot. Like, but this is the life that Geronimo lived. And he fought gallantly with one goal in mind. And that was to just live on the land that he was born on. It's an unfortunate end. But this is the life of Geronimo. 
a true American who really wanted to just, a true Native American, I should say, who really just wanted to live out the ideals of his culture and what he believed in. Thank you for listening to this segment of Unsung Heroes. I'm Michael Musangu, and we will see you next time.